HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com. Hi, I'm HRN's Executive Director, Katie Mosman-Wadler, with a preview of this week's episode of Meat and Three, our weekly food news roundup. So every day the shutdown continues to grow is another day that there will be a backlog. This week, we're looking at the unexpected ways the government shutdown has impacted our food system. There are nearly 1.6 million New Yorkers who rely on SNAP to feed themselves and their families every single day. There is a real impact on our friends and neighbors. A lot of farmers rely on commodity loans at the end of the year. Since the offices are not open, those loans aren't available to them. Tune in to this week's Meet and 3 on Heritage Radio Network. That's M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Inside Julia's Kitchen, the podcast of the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts. I'm your host, Todd Shulkin, the Foundation's Executive Director. Our show takes you inside the Foundation's world to meet the talented people we have the good fortune of learning from all the time. On today's show, we're revisiting the voices from last fall's Smithsonian Food History Weekend to talk about Julia's Kitchen, the inspiration for this very show. And again, we're breaking with our usual format to hear from some of the nation's leading chefs, scholars, and food writers about why one well-used old kitchen means so much. Stay with us for a very special episode. We'll be right back. Back in episode 32, we recorded a series of live interviews at the Smithsonian's Food History Weekend at the National Museum of American History, which also happens to be the home of Julia Child's Kitchen, the metaphorical inspiration for our show. Now, if you didn't already know, Julia Child's entire kitchen from our house in Cambridge, Massachusetts, was removed and rebuilt piece by piece inside the National Museum of American History, exactly as it was in our house. 
right down to the utensils in the drawers and the pictures on the walls. And since it opened in 2002, it's been one of the museum's most popular attractions. When it was temporarily shut for its reinstallation, for its now second incarnation as the entrance to the Food Transforming America's Table 1950-2000 to exhibit, well, let's just say the museum got a few complaints. Truly, to visit it is a magical experience. It's actually a bit like a shrine. If you think I'm exaggerating, you only need to see for yourself. That's how much Julia Child means to so many people, and that's how important her legacy is to American culture. If you want to learn more about the story of how Julia's Kitchen ended up in the National Museum of American History, listen to our interview in Episode 3 with Smithsonian curator Paula Johnson, who talks about its collection in detail. Julia's Kitchen, which was the physical set for many of her later shows with guest chefs, and prior to that, the inspiration for her sets, physically embodies Julia's spirit and what she represents to the American public. It's the manifestation of all that she's given us. But don't just take my word for it. Let's listen to more about the kitchen significance from today's guest. I'm Corby Kummer. I write about food for The Atlantic, The New York Times, Smithsonian, and many other places, and wrote the first book on the slow food movement and uh, the joy of coffee. I think that what Julia stood for is making food accessible to everyone and being able to teach yourself. If you're patient, you give yourself time, and you follow the instructions. All introductory remarks she made in her book, starting with Mastering the Art of French Cooking, which we were hearing at an opening night dinner last night, echoes of Julia's books, which you see in that kitchen. It was the idea that you can master all of this yourself if you take the time to read it, and I can and will endlessly retread my memories of being in Julia's kitchen many times at her kind invitation, constantly going over when I was at a farmer's market just to drop off food that I made for her. So for me, it has personal and nostalgic associations. But what I also associate with it is the immense hard work. She was always at work, either in that kitchen or upstairs in her study from a converted bedroom. There was nothing that she took for granted and no detail that escaped her careful attention. And that careful attention is what any home cook can adopt and bring to her or his own cooking. Herbie Kummer, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Hi, I'm Sandra Gutierrez. I'm a cookbook author, food historian, and journalist. I live in North Carolina. I'm of a Latino background, but I'm an American citizen from birth. So I'm a little bit from here and a little bit from there, but I love food in all of its iterations. What does it mean to you having Julia's Kitchen in the Smithsonian? What do you think the value of, of that is? I love Julia Child, and even though I was born here, I grew up in Guatemala, but I knew Julia Child when I was in Guatemala, and I would turn on the TV. And so she's been a part of my life forever. Um, I also went to Smith College, and she's a Smith. Oh, I did. She's a Smithy alum, so that was... I feel like um, she's been almost like a a fairy godmother in, in a way inspiring me in my career. Uh, to see that her kitchen here is very special. I think uh, I've been here many times, and I've been always my first stop when I come to the Smithsonian is Julia's Kitchen. It's like a shrine to, to food, a shrine to something that I love so much. She brought so much joy uh, through educating Americans um, on the foodways of France, but also teaching us how to cook and teaching us how to be lighthearted and have fun in the kitchen. Um, I, I look up to her tremendously. 
And um, it's very exciting for me to know that I'm gonna be including it on exhibit next to her kitchen starting next summer. And that is just something I, I never even dreamed of. So I wish I had met her. I know many people who did, but I never got to meet her. So this is my opportunity to be as close to her as I ever could. She still inspires. She's still, I think, the icon we all look up to. And there's never been anybody like her. There, are many, there have been many people with TV shows all over the world who cook, uh, but there's only been one Julia. She, she made it possible for all of us to cook for all of us to feel welcome in, into her kitchen. And I think that's something that, maybe because it was her kitchen that we were looking and, we, and she was cooking from there and she was inviting chefs there and we could be with her virtually in her kitchen, that seeing it here and being so close to it um, is so touching. It moves me every time I see her kitchen. It's like you can feel her spirit um, still there. It's, it's very special. I encourage it, anybody who loves food uh, whether you cook or you don't, uh, but anybody who's ever seen Julia or who would like to find out more about Julia to come and see it because there's no other experience um, like it to be able to see through the wall literally and see what was in there and, and count the knives and count the pans <laughs> and, and see what brands she had. And it's just very, very touching. Sandra Gutierrez, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Hi there, my name is Sean Sherman. I am an Ogallala Lakota Sioux enrolled member. I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm a chef and I have a business called The Sioux Chef, S-I-O-U-X, where we focus on pre-colonial indigenous foods of North America. So I was curious what your take, we're sitting very close to Julia's kitchen, which is enshrined in the Smithsonian, and particularly thinking from an indigenous point of view and that Julia was really bringing foreign food and foreign food principles to America. Do you have a sort of take on the value of having her kitchen in the Smithsonian? Well, I mean, she was a wonderful voice, um, and it's really amazing to have those female voices, especially because for a lot of indigenous cultures, the females were the ones that did a lot of the cooking and the processing and the gardening, um, and there's just so much um, beautiful knowledge to be able to have that. And food is uh, something that all cultures can share with each other and appreciate with each other. So, you know, Julia it was an amazing voice in the, her time period to be able to, you know, entice a lot of people to some foods that they didn't know about, and we hope to do that in our time period too to help uh, teach people about indigenous foodways and indigenous flavors because you know no matter where you are in the U.S. you're standing on indigenous land um, and there's an amazing uh, group of history and uh, flavors and foods that we can all learn from that are literally right outside our back door. Chef Sean Sherman thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to hear more perspectives about the value of Julia's Kitchen. Stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant from French to Pan-Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. 
Stop by to view their exquisitely designed tableware and their rarest natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit Corin.com. Welcome back. Today we're diving deep into the value of having Julia's Kitchen preserved in the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History. My name is Ronnie Lundy. I'm an author. I've written several cookbooks that are called cultural cookbooks. Um, and I focus frequently on Southern food, particularly the food of the Mountain South. So we are sitting almost inside Julia's Kitchen, which is right, right next door. So I wanted to ask you what you think. What's the value of having Julia's Kitchen in the Smithsonian? Oh, it's invaluable. It's, it's, and it's so appropriate. Um, when I began to write about food uh, initially, um, and I would be in groups of writers. Sometimes I would get asked, so what do you write? And if I said cookbooks, um, I often got an O oh, and someone turned away because cooking was, oh, all the, all the things that we devalue in our society. It was, it was women's work. It was associated with the home. It wasn't something necessarily that you could market. It wasn't something that you were supposed to learn. Or, but but that, was, that was the rhetoric. That wasn't the reality. The mm. reality was that it was the very literal lifeblood of people. I mean, you know, somebody asked me once, why do you find food so interesting to write about? And I, my answer was, you know, here's what people share in common. Um, they're born, they die, they go to the bathroom, and they eat. Um, um, you know, and some people have sex and some people don't. So really, you know, of, of those things to write about, why is food not among the highest? So and I was growing up when Julia is on television and, and I would watch um, Julia Child and I would watch Graham Care um, when he was galloping, back when he was still galloping, you know. And, um, and my nephew, who was probably about four years old, would, when I was babysitting, he would come get me and we would just sit and we would watch. And Julia Julia made the kitchen, um, her kitchen became a place of cultural conversation. It became a place where we began to look at what we do in this country, how we make food, where where it's influenced by, what those influences are, what the language of it is. She, she took everything and she didn't elevate it to this point of, you can't do this. You know, it wasn't about that. It wasn't about celebrity chef. It wasn't about the one food that only one person can cook. But she elevated this whole conversation about food and the table in a way that made it legitimized as a source of study, uh, legitimized as a practice, something that you could do. And she also made it so fun. You know, she was just so gloriously welcoming and and accessible but so brilliant you know so so that we began to understand that food was not just what your mother put on a plate and we don't value either one of them 
Um, but it became about this larger conversation about who we are as, as Americans. So this kitchen belongs here. Um, frankly, I think it belongs here in, in, I think it belongs in a history museum um, with the same value or higher value for me as our discussion of the weapons of war, our, our implements that show power um, that is exercised through government are, are the machines that we've made, um, the food that we have made and grown and fed one another and lived on is our story. So why wouldn't that be here? It should be bigger. They should give you your own museum. <laughs> Ronnie Lundy, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Thanks. My name is Jessica Harris. I use my middle initial B as in boy. I actually have a doctorate, so I am Dr. Jessica B. Harris, and I am, by avocation, a food historian. And I am a food historian, basically by avocation because I started working in food history before it was a discipline. So I've been writing about food and history since probably the 1970s. Uh, I have written or edited um, about 17 books dealing with the food, well, probably 12 or 13 dealing with the foods of the African diaspora, and, um, and articles, you don't want to know how many, because I don't know how many, and I, um, I like to think that uh, I have worked on a culinary continuum between this hemisphere and the African continent. So we're sitting nearly inside Julia's kitchen, not quite, but next to it. So for you, what's the value of having Julia's kitchen in the Smithsonian? Oh, I think it's extraordinarily important in any number of ways, I think, because certainly in at this point in time in the 21st century, food is becoming a lingua franca. It is something that brings us together. I had a friend who unfortunately died of cancer. I remember calling her house once and speaking with her husband. And I said, oh, you've got the TV on. He said, oh, the TV's always on. It's on the Food Channel. There is never bad news on the Food Channel. I think that there is bad news in the world of food, but given the rest of the news, food is a nice place to be with a lingua franca and a way to be. And I think that that's part of what Julia's Kitchen here lets us talk about. It lets us think about the things that bring us together as opposed to the things that drag us apart. Jessica Harris, thank you. Dr. Jessica Harris, thank you for joining us. Very moving to listen to all these perspectives on Julia's Kitchen. Have you visited Julia's Kitchen at the National Museum of American History? What does its preservation mean to you? Send us an email or even a voice memo to contact juliachildfoundation.org. After the break, we'll be back with more special guests talking about the importance of Julia's Kitchen. We'll be right back. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. Hi, my name is Sam Ben Ruby, and I'm the host of The Grape Nation on Heritage Radio Network. With this show, we bring wine to the people. Each week, we bring the best guests in wine on, taste different wines on air, and invite our listeners to taste with us. 
you'll find our approach to wine decidedly unsnobby. You can find The Grape Nation wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. When you flip anything, you really, you just have to have the courage of your convictions, particularly if it's sort of a loose mass like this. Well, that didn't go very well. See, when I flipped it, I didn't, I didn't have the courage to do it the way I should have. But you can always pick it up, and if you're alone in the kitchen, who is going to see? Today, we've been revisiting voices from the Smithsonian's Food History Weekend, getting both philosophical and nostalgic about the value of having Julia's home kitchen enshrined in the museum dedicated to America's cultural history. Here's more. I am Joe Yonan. I'm the food and dining editor of The Washington Post. So we're sitting right next to Julia's kitchen, almost inside Julia's kitchen. Mm -hmm. What do you think, what's the value of having her kitchen in the Smithsonian? Oh my God, it's like a beacon. Um, You know, she just represents everything that is wonderful about food education and, um, and the power of food to bring people together in in important conversations. You know, she was such a force for uh, appreciation for food um, and the differences in food. And she was so fascinated and curious about food all the time. That's the thing that I think, um, you know, really always sticks with me when I think about Julia is, is how um, energized her curiosity about food made her and how um, wonderfully she was able to get that across through the TV screen, through her books. Um, you know, it was palpable. You, you didn't feel like you were just, um, you know, learning how to bone a chicken, although you were, you were, you were learning how to love boning a chicken, (laughs) you know, which is so wonderful. So, so for me, having her here is, it's just it's just like a source of energy, you know. It's like I don't know. It's it's a fueling station. Um, I can always come, you know. Lucky lucky to live in D.C. and you know we can pop into the Smithsonian Museums um, on any given Tuesday afternoon with no admission charge, which is so incredible. And I do sometimes just if I need just a little jolt of something, or if I I just want if I'm kind of in a contemplative mood I'll, I'll pop in I'll make the pilgrimage it does feel like a pilgrimage sometimes even though it doesn't even though it's not hard for me um, and I'll I'll come see Julia uh, and it's great the pegboard and I, I love looking I love looking to see like the people's numbers on the phone and um, yeah it's it's incredible I love having her here <laughs> Joe Yunnan, thanks for joining us. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm Ashley Rose Young. I'm the historian of the American Food History Project at the Smithsonian National Museum of American History. My work here is part curatorial. I help take care of Julia Child's kitchen and also bring in new stories through oral histories and helping our curators collect objects. And part of my work here is also public facing. So I do live cooking demonstrations here at the museum where we bring in guest chefs to prepare live on stage several dishes once a month. And we use those dishes to talk about a theme in American history 
Last year, we focused on migration and the influence of the movement of people on what we eat. And this year, we're focusing on regions reimagined, the importance of place and how we identify with our surroundings and with each other and how food is so critical to that aspect of our lives. So we're almost sitting inside Julia's kitchen. It's right next door to us. So for you, especially as a member of the museum staff, what, what's the value of having Julia's kitchen in the Smithsonian? Julia's kitchen, ugh. Julia's kitchen. Every day I walk by Julia's kitchen when I come into the museum through our staff entrance. And it's almost a sacred place. I, I even find myself when I bring friends to see her kitchen, my voice becomes, you know, my voice lowers and I'm whispering, oh, you know, here's a story about this particular object. Or, you know, there's a reverence that I have for Julia's kitchen. And I have that because collecting her kitchen, so Paula Johnson and our food history team collected her kitchen in 2001. When they brought the kitchen here, it really marked our museum as a museum that is dedicated to tracing, to exploring, and discussing food history in America. So everything that we do here with Food History Weekend, bringing in these scholars internationally, bringing in chefs, James Beard Award winners, Julia Child Award winners, this is all because we brought her kitchen here in 2001 and that she was willing to give us her kitchen and the thousand plus objects that are included in that. You know, everything starts with Julia. Paula told me this from the start when I was an intern here and now as a staff member. Really everything we do stems from what Julia's spirit was all about, which was inclusivity and openness to diverse cultures, a recognition that America is a patchwork of so many different groups and communities coming together. And that is something that we embrace here so wholeheartedly and we try to explore through Food History Weekend, through our live cooking demonstration series, Cooking Up History. Everything that we do on the stage or in writing really goes back to Julia's openness, her kindness, and just her generous spirit. So I think that is what Julia's, you know, kitchen means to me, which is kind of a, a generosity of spirit, a willingness to open your heart to other people who may or may not have similar life experiences to you and to honor and recognize the importance of those opinions and the food cultures and the foods that we all eat on a daily basis. Ashley Rose Young, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I hope you've enjoyed all these very personal perspectives on the meaning behind and the value of preserving Julie's Kitchen. I also hope that if you haven't had the chance to visit it, that you will. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. Please follow the Foundation on social media. Our handles are at Julia Child on Facebook at Julia Child Foundation, all one word, on Instagram, and at Julia Child JCF on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at T Shulkin, T-S-C-H-U-L-K-I-N. Find out more about the museum's food history exhibit and how to see Julia Child's kitchen, go to the website americanhistory.si.edu forward slash exhibitions forward slash food. You can even take a virtual tour and look at the different artifacts in the kitchen from there. Thanks to my co-producer of the Foundation, Lawrence Alkeld, and our sound engineer at Heritage Radio Network, Matt Patterson. Our theme song is New French Horn by Novi Valtorni. Please give us a review. It really helps new listeners discover the show. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss upcoming episodes. We're on the air on Heritage Radio Network on Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, 
with downloads available soon after on Stitcher, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We look forward to bringing you back into the Foundation's world next time on Inside Julia's Kitchen. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.